following podcast may contain a dash of popular profanities. Live, is it? Jeez, I'm blue fucking loud. Fucking loud. Jeez, I'm blue fucking loud. Fucking loud. Actually, on a Friday, at the end of the month on a Friday, we pick up the Fiverr, which is nice because the winner of the Fiverr has 15 bucks to go and spend at their local cartridge store. And I guess some old PlayStation discs and things like this. But you got, you got 15 bucks, so you could buy a pretty good game with some of the games that we'll be talking about here and some not. Now, if you don't know anything about Pick of the Buck, before I introduce uh, the crew on the new relaunched Pick of the Buck, by popular demand, I must add, Pick it a buck. What you do is you write your name on a dollar, in this case a fiver, or you want to put it in five ones. I don't give a shit. You do that. You put your name on there. You put it in a hat at your job, and then the boss uh, mixes it up, and then he uh, announces over the loudspeaker, like at Kmart, he does uh, attention Kmart shoppers in aisle five. Under the blue light special, you will find the pick it a buck. And then uh, you pick the name out of the hat. That person's name that's written on a fiver gets the whole kitty. And now he's got 15 bucks to go out and spend uh, for his weekend of gaming fun. I am Frank Hemblin. On the internet phone from New York is Horace Mangrove. Go! It's not delivery. It's me, Horace Mangrove. <laughs> and from Galway, Ireland, William Bentley III. Go! Hello. That's, that's, that's my, very that's good. My gimmick. That's your catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, the resurrection of Pick of the Buck actually came about not only by the fans' incredible demand, and some people committed suicide when Pick wow. of the Buck went off. Yeah. I mean, Hold on, let was, me rustle some papers. It was dark. It was dark. I could read the obits, but it just <laughs> we don't want to you know, bring everybody down with this, but it, it was a lot of our good friends. Not anymore. They're dead. I won't miss them. You can't mourn forever. <laughs> Bullflex. Sorry. Oh, oh! He works it in a second time. You My asked God. for it. I did I? not. I never asked for it. in the yard. Oh, William <laughs> Bentley III, you are terrible. The whole idea came about this uh, actually by William Bentley III. He wanted to review Dash and Desperati's. And then Horace Mangrove started to run with the ideas. We should we should all talk in uh, Root and Tootin language this whole episode. Yeehaw! <laughs> you are the Applejack of my eye. Got to um, work in some hee-haw in there, too. Yeah. Don't. Population 18. And then even T.T. Schmootkins. And here we are. Because it's last Friday, we pick up the five bucks. Hopefully, your local console shop will uh, allow you to pick up one of these carts for 15 bone. Although, I doubt it because they're stupid. <laughs> and if you go, uh, is this Confederate currency? It is Confederate currency. And <laughs> to okay. keep in line with the root and tootin' theme. So we'll have a theme each month. Uh, this month, we had the root and tootin' theme already in progress. Because of William Bentley, these are the third pick of Dash and Desperati's. We already had our root and tootin' theme picked out for this one. But in the future, we will not even know 
each other's picks. There might be some change in uh, who might be here. Maybe Clint Cockberth might be in the studio. I don't know. <gasps> yeah. He hasn't been around for a while. And by the way, I, th- I thought it was Cunt Cockberth because he spells it lowercase c, uppercase l, lowercase i, n, t, because I have like this astigmatism thing. Well, there you go. Rimshot. Oh, there was but, a magazine yeah. in, in Britain that had to have the lowercase i because um, it was called Clint. Oh, was and it? People were thinking it was called something else, if yeah. you know what I mean. All right, so we're going to start with our rootin' tootin' themes. William Bentley III, since you wanted to review your Dash and Desperados, why don't you start with whatever console game you're going to bring to our first episode of the renewed, rebranded Pickety Buck? Well, Hank, um, Hank, oh, wait, wait, <laughs> Frank, <laughs> Frank Hamblin. <laughs> no, I wanted to play uh, Dash and Desperados. I actually only for the first time played this for the recording of the show. I saw a video of it, mm-hmm. and it, I thought it looked pretty cool. It's a Dead East game, and they've got a lot of uh, good fortune uh, from us, I suppose. Yeah, I know. It just looked kind of interesting. It was. It's a split screen kind of like side scroll and love them up i guess would be the way to put it do you want me to break down the little story for the for the listeners at home you could do whatever you want this is a work in progress we don't even know right. what the new pick of the buck contains well just so i'm going to speak in the language of the young people here the story is about one girl who is basically dtf 25 8 you know what i mean <laughs> and um, she has a thing for cowboys yeah. in the city. Or rumble kids. Yeah, well, big city cowboys from where I was sitting. Oh, well, were these gentlemen from another game? Well, it was called rumble kids in Japan. I oh, don't okay, know why well, I know that. Well, I you must have been stealing the ROM, I guess. <laughs> and this, <laughs> these are the people from Spin Master as well. So, oh, you know yeah. Spin Master, so there you go. So basically, these two guys are competing for her affections, mm-hmm. and I'm not casting aspersions on her, but she's literally willing to give her affections to the first man who comes up to her. I see, and uh, you know, and that's the game. It's who try and win over this uh, this woman, and occasionally she gets kidnapped and stuff like that. That's surprising. You know, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what year did this come out? Ninety uh, three, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Ninety three. Oh, William Bentley, we have to adjust to William Bentley the Third's <laughs> inability to say three. Uh, sorry, Hank. Right. Uh. I kid, I kid. You know the giant media ball. If you don't know about this thing, it's going on. You should become. You should subscribe to the giant media ball feed because you get everything. Two of the programs that are blowing up are the guys from Ireland. They are bombastic. One of William Bentley III's friends, Johnny Capcom, does a program focused on canon films. Also have another video game program from Ireland from uh, Spud and Richie. I'm not sure about John's friend. I don't know what his name is because John doesn't mention his name. So it's Sean. Okay. Yeah. Which is John in Irish. He's, you know, is it? double down. Yes. Wow. I did not know that. And tree is a double down for an actual tree and the number three. Yeah. Again, you got a problem with that? We'll work it out. <laughs> we'll work it out, buddy. The thing about this game is, and the reason it has weird sexual overtones, uh, 
when the girl goes, hey, come on over here and love me. And the two men both go, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Is that spelled with an O or a U? I think it's spelled with a jizz. <laughs> That's Nuts the, and uh, milk. It kind of plays like a cart racer, but it's a two it's a side scrolling race game, I guess. Oh, okay. So you, so you you're actually dashing. So you're racing to the end to gain her affections. I heard you speak that before, but I didn't really get it. But now that you say it's it's an actual racing game, sort of like Popeye's spinach race. Remember I mentioned Effort a Game Boy? That's a little known game. Now I'm sure this isn't as decathlon based as the Popeye spinach race, but that's interesting. I've played this game before, but I completely forgot about those aspects. I've never really played a game like it, I guess. I mean, I, the closest thing to it would probably be the the two-player mode in Sonic 2, where like, one of you is Sonic and one of you is Tails, and there's a split screen going on. Yep. It's a race to the end of the level or something. That's the closest, you know. This is just this mode, but with a game attached to it, I suppose. Now, what are the root and tootin' parts? Do they have guns? Do they have power-ups? Bombs and cowboy hats, which is the most important part of a root tooth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, root tooth. That is what it's called for short. Root tooth. Yeah. Adam, don't write in about that genre, please. <laughs> uh, Adam's going to have something to say to me about today with the final game I chose, I think. Is it M. Tyson or is it Vega or Balrog? <laughs> trying to figure that out, then actually explaining the games. But anyway, uh, if you listen to the last episode of Ask the Video Game Millionaires, he asked some stupid question about the fact that we called techno music electronic dance music or some such. I don't know. He had a problem with shmups, you see. Something and about Del Sumerian Monte can pickles. <laughs> Disco now has to be called Del Monte can pickles. Yeah, listen to that show. This is the introduction episode that was just on, which was actually the tail end of a arcade weekly program because we had a half hour content on the questions. So I love this. Keep sending in your questions. We'll keep shitting on them. So anything else about the Dash and Desperati's? It had like cool sound samples in it. Like uh-huh. there was like voice. I remember when I booted up the ROM. I'm still a mark for um, sound samples in old games, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if I play an NES game with a sound sample, I'm like, Jesus Christ, get my money's worth here, you know? Right, right. What are your obstacles in this? Nature and your opponents, I suppose. It's just like jumping over vaults and, so you know, like uh, walls and all this kind of shit. And there's like enemies who will try and pull you out of the sky. You jump along, there's like hawks and birds and stuff when you're in the city people throw stuff out their window at you i see like their own children and, uh, <laughs> shades of wall street yeah 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 that, i think it might be so many know, games stole from wall street let's face it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. can i is, is, it, is it split screen that's what i was gonna ask okay it is indeed oh it's okay split, it's split screen game so um, you race against the computer or if it's two play you race against your friend yeah, it's, or your weird. Enemy. it's kind of like the ultimate way to play this game probably would be with a friend. Mm. But I think the great irony of this game is the majority of people playing it will probably end up playing it alone. <laughs> and ultimately end up really sad with the fact that they don't have a little pixely uh, girlfriend. To well, they can enjoy their half pie <laughs> and then play Dashing Desperados by Man, themselves. You know me too well. Hank. uh, (laughs) sorry mr hem hem i was in a supermarket there was like 
one Valentine's Day cupcake left over. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like 79 cent. And I went in the next day and it was 39 and it was gone. Oh, the person wouldn't even pay full price for their one <laughs> no. Valentine's Day cupcake. I like to think that it was like one lonely person who went in and just went, fuck it, for 39 cent, like can pretend, you know? I went uh, home and cut it in half and keep the other half. <laughs> the saddest thing about the half a pie is not that it's just a half a pie. They actually made a special half dish? circle Plastic dish. Yeah, yeah, the dish is in half so that, you know, it has a hinge and then the rest of it's round. So, you know, sometimes you can get a slice of pie. Okay, you're having your lunch. But a half a pie is for someone that's just going to go home and, you know, they might eat the half pie. They might have killed themselves before they eat the half pie. (laughs) Might just be sitting there turning green by the time someone smells them. That is probably the saddest part of the half a pie. I can imagine the trigger moment being when they get their, their knife out. To, uh, to cut the pie and then they open it and go wait a minute it's already half in half what's the fucking point with life <laughs> should I cut the pie or should I cut my cut wrist myself? yeah very good <laughs> remember kids always go in a zigzag motion down oh, your stop. entire form yeah Frank try this at on. home try this at home kids Okay, so I like Dash and Desperati's. I'm going to have to give that another go again because I forgot all about it. Horace Mangrove, you're on. Now, here's the thing. Like I said, we knew about each other's picks, unfortunately, for this first show. And my pick was going to be your pick. Because the first thing I thought of is, uh, spoiler alert, you're going to do Tin Star. Um, The first thing I thought of when you said Root and Toot, and I was like, ah, man, Tin Star for the Super Scope 6. Mm-hmm. Because one through five of a super scope, they all failed. Six. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if we include one game with the super scope, no one's going to buy this. No. Nah. Two games? One? No, people won't buy it still. How about four games? Oh, no. It's getting closer, brother, but not quite. <laughs> five? Nah. I'm going to let him okay. finish this. Six. Now we got something to sell. Uh, the six number is probably part of that, like, satanic uh, Illuminati thing, right? It is With the Illuminati's. People. Yep. And if you notice. I should have let you do Tin Star, by the way. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, yes. Yes and no. Uh, I'm talking more along the lines of the controller aspect. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I'm sure you actually have the Super Scope. In fact, I know you do. Well, what I did this time is I played it with the mouse. Because this game okay. is unique in that you could use the controller, the mouse, or the Super Scope. And I got to yes. tell you, the Who's best Who's reviewing way- this fucking game? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, the best way to play it is the mouse. Is Out it? of all three ways I play it, yeah. Okay. And the nice well, thing I, about it is your emulator, you should be able to choose a mouse control. You have to like switch back and forth between it while the game's open, and you can't yeah. use both at the same time. Uh, except I think select and select and start might work on the controller while you're using the mouse. Okay. But you progress with the left mouse, and you shoot with the uh, right mouse, and then, of course, you move the reticle around with the mouse. Finally yeah, coming around to that, huh? Mario Paint, Ma- what, reticle? Yeah. I understand it's a word. <laughs> <laughs> Took a lot of convincing. Yeah. But he knows now. So yeah, 10 Star 1994 by Nintendo. It was developed in Europe, but it was uh, released exclusively in North America. Is a predominantly, it's supposed to be a light gun game. 
It's one of the 12 games that are supported for the Super Scope or one of the 60 titles, 60 hmm. plus titles that are supported for the uh, Super Nintendo mouse. I was unaware what? that the mouse had that much support. Yeah. Wow. With early so hits as Snoopy's concert. Oh, right. You and drew, uh, you the drew, uh... animation studio. <laughs> oh, as right. well as Camel Try. Oh. And Doom. Yeah, I didn't I know that. It's a great game, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I know. I just, I was surprised when I saw how much support for for titles that you'd never heard of and titles that a lot of people had and didn't know that the mouse was even an option for that. I thought, a lot of the Super Scope games, you yeah. can play with the mouse. Ah. See, I thought that they were counting all those games uh, for each drawing a kid did with his <laughs> Mario Paint. When I was when I was younger, I think we were. I think when I was like uh, twelve or eleven, whenever that came out, me and my friends uh, drew naked lady sprites, <laughs> and you can I'm animate them, right? We did animate them. <laughs> <laughs> we were filthy little buggers, anyway. So uh, this is the first time I've ever played Ten Star. I am emulating it. I'm using a D-pad controller. I have to use the reticle. Which isn't the worst way to play the game, but the game does have some shortcomings. It is the worst way to play the game. Yes, and, then, and that's what I'm putting out there, is that okay. I probably played it the worst possible way. If I had a little more time, I probably would have went back and tried to finagle the mouse, because I had a feeling that that was probably the best way to play it, as you said. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I boot the game up. Right away, I'm like, all right, I like this music, rad music. I can't wait for the yeah. soundtrack. Well, the soundtrack is very, I don't know, repetitive. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be a theme for this game. It's very repetitive. The art style is kind of turned off by, it's like this mid-90s Saturday morning cartoon style. It's very European looking. Mm -hmm. Kind of reminds me at times of like some of the LucasArts adventure games, but not in a good way, like a kind of knockoff of that. I was mixed on it. Some things I liked about it, and then other things kind of turned me off there is a nice contrast with your targets on the screen so even though everything's very cartoony and stylized some of the backgrounds have a very uh, george harriman style about them mm -hmm. uh, george harriman being the creator of crazy cat I'm sure that was lost on even more people uh <laughs> but horace mangrove yeah how can you go wrong with robot cowboys well i'm sure the reason why they did robot cowboys and i was getting to that is that uh they didn't want gun violence on the Super Nintendo, especially because of the time that this game came uh -huh. out and you had uh, senators like Joe Lieberman holding up the Super Scope and saying, this looks like an assault rifle. <laughs> I know. Did that guy die yet? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, it's supposed to look like a fucking bazooka because you know what? Kids want to hold a fucking toy bazooka. <laughs> anyway, I have a feeling that that's the reason why they chose to go with this yeah, robotic, sort of weird future Old West scenario, which falls into the whole Rootin' Tootin' theme. You are Tin Star. You're a robot sheriff that's riding into town, and you have to survive there a week. And there are 29 stages in total where you go through this week, and uh, there's some boss battles and, and, and some shootouts. But again, going back to the repetitive thing, it is a little repetitive. There seems to be only six different types of scenarios you're put in, a one where you're riding atop a train. And this is in first person, by the way. Tin right. Star is on the screen as if he, you know, it was a part of some sort of platformer. Right. Uh, but you're shooting around him. This is one of my complaints with the game. The enemies come out. It's sort of set up, like I said, like a platformer or a brawler. Like Gumshoe. Yeah, like gum, that's actually a good uh, a good pull. Gumshoe. Yes, if you're familiar with Gumshoe, it's similar to that. 
Nobody played that. I think more people read George Harriman's Crazy Cat than played Gumshoe. Hey, let's make a Mario game, but instead of using the A button, let's use a light gun to make him jump. That yeah, you don't control Tin Star with the light gun. <laughs> no, He's you don't. just on the screen acting on his own. I'm yeah. fine with that. Yeah. But when the enemies come out and shoot at him, mm. they don't shoot bullets. Either be in his direction or they won't be in his direction, but the screen will flash red. I would have really liked if the sprites, when they shot at Tin Star, there was that bullet sprite toward him for the opportunity to shoot that bullet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you saw that a lot in games like Point Blank. It's a uh, predecessor to it, but it reminded me of that game because Point Blank came out in 1994 or 5. But that has little scenarios where something would shoot at you and you had the opportunity to shoot that bullet. I would have liked that. It would have made the game a little more challenging and it would have added something. Instead, the enemies, if they're pointing in 10 stars general direction and they go through their firing animation, he's hit and you lose life. Mm -hmm. uh, if you are using the reticle and you want to have... A a fun experience playing this game, I would recommend going to the options screen and turning down the difficulty. Uh, going back to the stages, like I said, there's six that you go through, six scenarios. There's one where he's on the train. There's one where he's in the bar. That one does play as if it was a first person. There's one where he's riding on his steed, aluminum. <laughs> they say that differently in... Uh... Uh, aluminum. <laughs> yes. Which is how it's spelled. Yes, but that aluminium. is how it's spelled. Well, if you remember... One of the great works of art, of American art, of the last 50 years wouldn't have been possible with the English pronunciation. And what I'm talking about, of course, is Jeffrey Hardy's Aluminomies. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you remember these. Um, I do not. <laughs> oh, Google uh, Jeff Hardy's Aluminomies. <laughs> there were these, like, fucking, like, mummy effigies he made of, like, oh, crack wow. fucking... Foil. Oh my! <laughs> oh my! It's uh, so so. Going back to the uh, the different scenarios you're put in. There's another scenario called a duel, and that's where you're doing a quick draw. Now, how do you do the quick draw? Because this did throw me off. I saw the barrel of my gun flash up. The, I, what would you call that? Where you put the rounds in a six shooter? Uh, the muzzle flash? No. Oh, the muzzle flash. Where you put the bullets into the gun. The revolver chamber? There you the go. chamber. So I saw the chamber of my revolver come up on the screen, and it said draw. So I was shooting at the enemy as quickly as I could, and nothing was happening. What you have to do is shoot the chamber and then quickly shoot the enemy. Gotcha. And that's how the duel works, which I'm fine with. I would have just appreciated a little more direction. Yeah. Also in the bar scene, when a guy is roughing up one of the patrons, you yes. have to wait until he pulls him away to start slugging him. And then You're if correct. you shoot him, then he lets go of the hostage. And that kind of pissed me off because I got him in some clean headshots when he was dragging that dude out. And I kept losing and I didn't understand why. And it's right. because you have to wait for him to do that <laughs> frame of animation where he pulls the guy away. Yeah. It's The detection's a little sloppy in this game. I kind of felt very Fisher Price while I was playing it because there was, mm. you know, there's little things you can shoot for extra points. And it reminded me of like Freddy the Fish or Putt Putt <laughs> Saves the Zoo. Yeah, but, you know. But. So uh, I was just like, is this for little kids? Is this for babies? Uh, when I was playing it? Come on, Putt-Putt uh, was half of the 3DO's library. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so the other two scenarios you're put in is a defense scenario where there'll be a jail or a bank in the center of the screen. And um, 
panning and scanning is happening back and forth with some, you know, relatively nice parallax scrolling in the back to give some depth of field. And all these enemies are coming up and shooting you while somebody's trying to blow up the structure in the center, whether that's a jail or, or a bank and you have to defend it. And lastly, there's just a scenario where you're just going through the town and sort of like that Hogan's Alley feel where people are popping out of the windows and the doors and shooting at you. A lot of vibes of the game Hogan's Alley or Wild Gudman or Duck Hunt or any of the Zapper games. Does this game play as well as those? Probably, but for, you know, 1994, it should have evolved a little more than this. And I think what hurts the game the most is its length. It's too long for what it is. It's too repetitive for what it is. You have seven days in the week. We have six scenarios. I think I would have been satisfied if that was it. Like if Monday was the train, Tuesday was the bar. But instead, you're going through 29 stages and you keep seeing the same six scenarios over and over again. Mm -hmm. It's not my favorite light gun game by far. Now, is it interesting? Yeah, it's interesting because, again, it's one of 12 games that was supported for the Super Scope 6, so if you have that peripheral and you, you want to collect that library, it's pretty easy to do. I f- did fail to mention that after each round, you are um, judged on a couple different metrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, your bullets wasted, the damage, your accuracy, your remaining life, good guys you shot, and then secret bonus. And then occasionally when those metrics come together, they'll put a big-breasted woman on a <laughs> yeah. spinning target yeah. and you have to shoot stars around her. So for fans of misogyny, that's in there too. That was kind of a thing back then. I don't know, there's some game, I can't remember which one it was, but like there was a, a bonus level where there was like a woman's head through a hole and her See, all her hair was around, like her her braids. You had to hit the, the hair with a hatchet to call her braids off. <laughs> nice. I don't remember that one. <laughs> it's featured on kids TV a lot. I remember that. Mm. There was like Sky One in uh, Britain and Ireland had um, this show, and it was like you'd phone in. I think like the Picks show you guys. Yeah, yeah, about. yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And like kids with their phones, like you, you know, the tone buttons on their phone, you'd press five or whatever. You know, and hatchet, throw the hatchet, hatchet, <laughs> hatchet. You'd have to shout hatchet into your phone. Yeah, you through. would, yeah. Or, no, you just press, I think it was number five or whatever. There was actually this guy who won like a championship belt for <laughs> being the phone master of like video games. Oh my. It was a good time though, you know? <laughs> sure. Who wouldn't want to use a telephone to chop off a girl? Throw ch- yeah, hatchets <laughs> at women. <laughs> so the point, uh, the point system in the game is uh, denoted by cash, and you don't get any sort of power-ups, again, much to the game's detriment, but you do buy your saves for 20k a piece. Mm. And I do recommend it, because if you are going to go through this game, as I did, replaying these levels is a real drag. The problem with that is that if you are under $750,000 at the end of the game, you don't get the good ending. Uh, The good ending being that you get to run off with the mayor's daughter. I was all set with that. I did not need to run off with the mayor's daughter by the end of the game. (laughs) But that's it. You shoot, you root, you toot. Shemp is there for some reason. I think it's an interesting game because of its peripheral attachment, but in the realm of light gun games, not the best. Yeah, and when you have Battle Clash out there, even though Battle Clash is incredibly simple in its formula, it's still probably the best two-game series that came out for the Super Scope. I was really jazzed for when Rootin' Tootin' Tin Star came out, and uh, I played it like once, and I said, forget it. But now when I played it with the mouse, 
here's the thing. The control pad is just absolutely abysmal to try to play this because you have your enemies come out from both sides of the screen sometimes, and it's impossible. And then they throw dynamite and stuff like this. So the mouse is great for accuracy. The super scope is great for moving around the screen easily. I mean, you move pretty fast with the mouse, but the mouse is, uh, I already said it. The mouse is most accurate and the super yes, scope is the easiest yes. to move around. And the uh, control pad is a big turd. And, and chances are, if you're playing this legitimately with like the physical peripherals, yeah, I think it's more likely for people to have the mouse than the super scope. A lot of people just with Mario Paint got that mouse. And look it up. There's a lot of games probably in your library that you don't even realize you can use the mouse for. Yeah, I have the Beholder being one of them. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Is and, that you know, the dungeon crawler? Yeah, that's the dungeon crawler. You might have saw it on the We Talk Games Twitter recently. Yeah. And the Doom came out really late in the Super Nintendo's lifespan, but it was a big deal. Number one, because it's Doom on a Nintendo. <laughs> you know, it's pretty graphic for the Nintendo. Um, not as graphic as Duke Nukem for the game.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, a graphic slideshow. <laughs> Don't no, you like PowerPoint and black and white? Come on. We love it so much we sent it to Ottumwa, Iowa. We did. I still Where have. It's currently the most advanced computer. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one that can connect to oh, the internet. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I doubt that uh, Walter Day listens to our show anymore. But he still loves us and still credits us. We for love him. We lo oh, my gosh. Do we love him? Oh, my gosh. I invited him to February 7th, but unfortunately, he's not coming to Allentown until um, I think maybe a week or two he's going to be here at that shit fucking flea market they have in Allentown. Oh, my God. Sometimes you see Jabba the Hutt in a Star Wars movie. These people are weirder. Yeah. Except they're in overhauls. Overalls. <laughs> yeah. Why is he going there? It's a non-sport card exhibition, and they, and they, they always call in Billy and, and Walter. Oh, so yeah, and some other uh, video game people come in, so it's a very interesting. And he's still trying to get his non-sport cards, in, which evidently Grace Snokes has her own card. Which does she? Okay, so why don't we go over to me, and I will take it from here. You being Hank? No, not Hank. Frank, Frank Hemblin, my friend. I am the star of Wiggly's Time Traveler. Frank Hemblin. You know the actor. Uh, yeah, I, I remember. remember that show. Yeah, it was a great show. Got canceled before the first episode finished. <laughs> there were more episodes planned. They were going to be great, but uh, too bad because I wasn't able to do ten stars. You still don't know my pick. I bet it's a plastic cowboy you shoot with a light gun. <laughs> oh, is that what you think, huh? Well, well I, I'm hoping he gets brought up because he's so fucking loud. <laughs> well, when I thought rootin' tootin'. I knew dozens of arcade root and tootin' games, but I was having trouble for coming up with a console title. I mean, what I was going to say, like the third level of Earthworm Jim, mm. stage five of Raven Rabbids. Uh, you know, I, you, I can think of little parts where you're a cowboy, and those probably aren't very accurate, but I know that they become cowboys in some parts in there. Um, and I didn't want to do a game past the 360. You know, I, I, I wanted to draw a line in the sand. I could do newer cowboy games in which I would have one cowboy game, um, but I wanted to go back. So I toyed with Red Dead Revolver, which was the first in the Red Dead series. Uh, Red Dead Redemption, of course, being for the 360, and I don't know if any other ones came out from there. 
And then I almost went for Capcom's Dark Watch. And if you've never played Dark Watch, I really recommend Dark Watch. It's for the Xbox, the original Xbox, not the Xbox One. I guess the Xbox Zero, it would be called. It's for the original Xbox. And if you don't get queasy playing first-person shooters, definitely pick this up. It's nice and dark. You're a demon outlaw. You're rooting, tooting all around, fighting different demon blobby things. And the graphics for that Xbox Zero are just perfect, good gameplay. Once again, if you're used to the gameplay of a first-person shooter, Adam. (laughs) And interestingly enough, Capcom made Dark Watch, but Capcom also laid the groundwork for Red Dead Revolver. They were trying to build on the franchise of their 1985 Gun Smoke which I think mm. we brought up in, in another episode of We Talk Games maybe a long time ago, even before Arcade Weekly. Yeah. But uh, they were trying to build like you know a 3D version of Gun Dot Smoke, and then they dropped it. Rockstar bought the unfinished game, and then they modified it, enhanced it, and uh, re-released it as Red Dead Revolver. It would have been like a weirdo Western under Capcom's guidance, but then they yeah. turned it into a... I don't know what you would call that, postmodern. It wasn't as open as uh, Red Dead Redemption. But anyway, that's enough for that, 360s. But I wanted to go back in technologies a bit. So 1976, they came out with a game, and uh, it had a revolver, actual revolver, and you could cock it. Let me do that again in the microphone. I don't know if you can pick this up. Oh, I heard it. Yeah. That's charge up. It's charging up two double A's to I don't know how many volts, enough to, uh, you know, like shock a a small dog. And then this was what happened here. Right there. So I was going to talk about custom gunmen. Uh, Gunpoi Yopoi, your favorite guy there. Yep. Gunpy Yumpy, the rescuer of of a stranded car person. Do not shit on Gunpoi Yopoi. I am not. I'm saying that he rescued... Someone from a, a, a stalled car or crashed car on the highway and yeah. unfortunately lost his life. Yeah. One of the most creative people at Nintendo. No shit at all. I and mean, that's designer of heroic. one of your favorite handhelds, the Wonder Swan. Definitely. I mean, he did he did so much cool stuff, including this 1976 Custom Gunman, which takes two C batteries. In the gunman himself, he's, he's put together with strings. He has a little light hole on his chest, which actually is RF, as well as if you shine a bright light in there, he will fall over. And if you make, <laughs> if you make a big sound, he'll also fall over. Um, when I hadn't fixed my gun yet, I, w- I found a remote control and the certain button that would make that I could shoot at him with. So that was very interesting because it is RF. You know, this custom gunman, I, I, my granny bought it for me at an auction in 1976. That's a spirit. And I thought, well, I'll talk about this. So basically, uh, I could talk about you shoot the gun at him and then he falls over and then he gets up. And he sounds so, like a dust buster. <laughs> and, and that's the length of being able to talk about this game. <laughs> Except it's for... It's pretty impressive, though. In it's the way great. It, yeah, flops around like heard tell of uh, as as I would like to call him the We Talk Games young boy Keith Hansen uh-huh. was fooled by one wiggly check. Oh, who, uh, who said, "See, you shot him in the knee, and that's why he fell over at the knee." <laughs> and Keith went, "Really?" And Wiggly went, "No." <laughs> 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 
But Indeed. If, he had, if, if Wigley hadn't have said anything, Keith would have just went home going, I shot going in the knee earlier on. It was amazing. <laughs> he did have a, an arm, a right arm with the gun in it that if you had lubed up enough when he stood back up, that gun was supposed to come into like firing position. But sometimes it, you know, it's above his head or whatever. Yeah. And there is actually one more aspect that's even described in the instructions of the game. And that is you could do a mirror shot. You have the custom gunman in back of you. I don't know how to explain it, but you shoot the gun into the mirror to shoot at his chest hole, and then that's a trick shot. Basically, that would be the only thing I could say about this game, so I decided to not go with that game, although I just described it. Then I thought I'd do the Coleco Telstar Arcade from 1977. I have this. It's up in my attic. It's a three-sided pyramidal contraption, Yeah, and it hooks your TV. Now, you need a TV with a outside dial control because it's not quite exactly on channel two or channel three. It's sort of in between. And if you don't have that, you're not going to be playing this game. It has two pong pots on the one side of the the pyramid. It has a steering wheel with a gear shift on the other side of the pyramid. And it has a pistol in the holster of the pyramid on the other side of the pyramid. This was unique because it claimed to have a programmable microchip. Um, It did take cartridges on the top. They were triangular in shape. And if I look back at how I used to burn ROMs into uh, security systems, it was not random access memory. It was read-only memory, but you could you could burn them, be, and then you had to finalize burning. You put these, uh, you put the chip into this uh, box, and then you set all these dip switches and stuff like this, and these number things on it. And then once you hit go that chip got burned and you cannot go back and change anything if you if you messed up so from burning roms because i'm 100 years old i guess this comes close but from what i could tell the triangular cartridges that you would clip into the top of the system are more like a jumper based cartridge for like the odyssey 2 that said could play all these different games but basically it would just reconfigure the breadboard that was already in there with the capacitors and everything else now some of the cartridges did have a microchip in them but i don't really know how it all worked and other ones were just were just um etchings on on the breadboard there are big troubles with your consoles if you can find one and buy it the biggest trouble being that they don't work yeah uh that that laugh 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 (laughs) Timing, timing. (laughs) The biggest trouble of these games being that they don't work. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Thank you. uh, Thank you, everybody. Frank Hemblin. Read it in post. (laughs) Um, They were full color. And it did come with one set of the three games, Tennis, Quick Draw, and Road Race. Now, you have to figure out which one correlated to the Pong, to the racing <laughs> wheel, and the uh, gun. Um, they were all boxes on the screen? or You know what? They, they, they were actually pretty good looking. We're talking about 1977 here. It was full color. Now, I think that instead of saying full color, they should have said four color. And they should have said only three colors on screen of the four colors. Okay. Um, but like I said, it was fairly sophisticated for the time. The, the weird thing was that when I did get mine working, the racing game, which you use a steering wheel and a gear shift, is horizontal. So you're sort of like these dragsters uh, trying to avoid other cars. That's really all you do. But it's, uh, it's not first person. So I thought that was kind of interesting. 
If you could afford these cartridges, I think it would be the closest thing to an arcade you could have at home because you had the steering wheel, you had the Pong, and you had the gun. The second cartridge, and these these were numbered sort of like the... Fairchild Channel F. Fairchild Channel F, yes, exactly, where the games were called 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. <laughs> so so the, the number two game that you could play had hockey, tennis, hardball, and target. Uh, hockey, tennis, and hardball being nothing alike, I'm sure. <laughs> number three was interesting because you had bonus pinball. I don't know why it was a bonus. Uh, you had shooting gallery. You had shoot the bear. And that, that was the neat thing that the shooting game that originally came with. You actually shot a cowboy-looking person, and it, and it didn't look okay. too bad. And then uh, the other the game that came with that it was a four-game cartridge was Deluxe Pinball. Oh, which was I don't know why Bonus Pinball was first, and then Deluxe was at the end. Did it come with a back glass? <laughs> yeah, you could add that if you, you hooked it up. You can add a knocker and everything else. And then the fourth and final game, game number four, only had three games. What a ripoff. Naval Battle, Speedball, and Blast Away. So I was going to talk about that, but because it doesn't work and because you pay $250 on eBay for a system that is untested. I could not test this system. Stinky? <laughs> no, that's me. No. Me, that's that's me being an eBay person. No. So, in other words, I did test it. It doesn't work. So, untested. I couldn't um, press the on switch. <laughs> right. What people don't realize is that these early Pong games, you didn't get sound out of your TV. You had to turn your volume down, or you'd get shh. All the sound came out of the console itself, the bleeps and boops. It had pretty good uh, range of different types of sounds in the uh, in the console. So I was going to talk about that, but then I said, no, I'm not going to talk about that. So then I thought, I'm going to talk about Coleco's Telstar Marksman. Oh, no. Which is the gun game I always talk about that I had Pong that had guns on it. So you had Pong, you had Skeet, you had some other type of bouncing ball to shoot game. All in full color once again. But what's interesting, this came out in 1978, and it was you know a step down from the Coleco Telstar Arcade. Because you only had Pong and a light gun. But the light gun was probably the coolest light gun Long before the home versions of like Silent Scope, where you had the morphing gun, the PlayStation mm. Move transforming light gun rifles, this 1978 gimmick was a pistol that you could put a shoulder stock on and a long barrel. Oh, really? So you look, and it was black, you know? Mm. So yeah. you, you go around like SWAT. Now, yeah, sure. Yeah, and get shot by the police. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, it had a cord on it, but, uh, you know, it, it, it did come loose from the... They'll the shoot you for stuff. holding a candy bar. They don't That's get shit. That's true. Yeah, you can, especially if it's like a Snickers or something. Yeah. Now, of course, you could shoot the gun at a light bulb and then crush your dad's score, but it was still really, really <laughs> cool. So I'm not going to talk about the marksman because I don't even know if you could find those anywhere except in someone's ask, a, a, attic. But I'm going to talk about something that is going to take us over the hour mark. Because this is a little bit hard to compress into an easy way. And because you guys were doing Super Nintendo... Wait, let me uh, just do one more thing here. just want to do this. Yeah, there we go. just want to shoot him in the knee. Whoa, he fell off my, my little pony um, cup box. I want to talk about a game that you might not have played. It's Strange World Gun Peru Gunsman Proof. Or also called Gunpull. It only came out in Japan, only for the Super Fami. 1997. 1997. You know what 1997 is? 
that's late in this yeah. Super Fami's life. It came out by ASCII Soft. ASCII, we know in the West a lot for their game controllers, as well as their, didn't they do um, Act Razor? Act, Act Razor? Razor? Yeah, yeah. Did uh, they do that's that? a game. I don't know if that's the game you're talking if, about. Yeah, it is. I don't know if. Um, no, I think Square Enix or Square did that. Is Act Razor's platforming and then building? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, so it wasn't ASCII. Okay. But this is a root and toot and action RPG. Hmm. Yes. It's uh, the 1880s. You're a little chibi fella. And first thing you'll see is two meteorites impacting Earth. And then a cactus in a Speedo and a luchador bandit start roughing up a cowboy and like uh, kidnapping them or something. So immediately I knew I must play this game. That's on the attract screen, I guess you could call it. Although mm-hmm. this ever only ever came out for the Super Famicom. So you're a little chibi boy, and you set off for the adventure to crawl dungeons, find treasures, defeat bosses, and you collect these little Aztec flying spider-looking gold brooches. You'll go out to these different dungeons and crawl them, and then you'll go back to your town and you get money from the sheriff's building. Not to get too deep into the game, but you don't use the money to purchase your punch power-ups or your gun upgrades. The two attacks you have is punch and gun. Because of those upgrades, you actually get taught for free by the gun shop owner, and this allows you to pick up enemies' guns and know how to use them, like a machine gun, a shotgun, a bazooka, and a flamethrower. Mm-hmm. And then there's also some Steven Seagal-looking tough guys that are scattered outside of your town in little, I don't know, they're not dojos, but they're like, you know, he lives the rough life in a cabin uh, in the middle of these uh, enemy things. And they'll teach you how to upgrade your punching ability all the way up to like this drill punch. The money you collect will actually be used later on in the game to bribe a cloaked figure that won't allow you to access some parts of a dungeon unless you give him some money. And he's kind of a shithead because he'll say, well, it'll cost you $800 to pass through. And it's funny, it's in dollars. Well, because it's Old West, I guess. If you don't pay in gold to blooms, which is kind of weird. So you pay him $800 and then you walk down just one little hallway and then he's at the next door and he's like, well, if it, to pass through this, you're going to need $1,200. And you're like, you fucker, I just came through. I didn't even face an enemy. I walked 12 feet and here you are again, (laughs) milking me, you know? So uh, that's kind of interesting. A bit about the gameplay and a look at a game. Uh, Once you see the establishing shots and a general game perspective, you immediately recognize this uh, as a regular Super Nintendo Japanese role-playing game, either like a Final Fantasy regular straight-up role-playing game is how you travel around or a Zelda type of game because... It this is, is the screenshot action. you posted on your Facebook recently. I did. Right? I, I gave okay. it away. I looked at that, and I really dug the style, and it reminded me, just so the, the listeners have an idea, even though, I mean, most listeners can figure out JRPG, what it's going to look like, yeah. but for me, the style really reminded me of Earthbound. And Earthbound is something I'll mention as well. But any other chibi role-playing game and action role-playing game title, uh, that's what you're going to get here. And your chibi character will even hold its booty high above its head Uh, accompanied with a musical cue just like Link when he gets an item except his face gets all triangle anime you know what I mean (laughs) like when sometimes when people get hit in the face or get surprised their face turns into like these triangle lips and stuff yeah that happens a lot a lot of angular things and there's a lot more purely Japanese reaction animations once a game starts you'll see another meteorite crash into the earth and that turns out to be this little UFO 
And you come out of your house, and as far as I can tell, you have to go and see this fellow in the saloon, uh, maybe the sheriff and maybe the gun shop guy before you could get out past the guy on the right that's blocking you from leaving your town to go on your quest. Uh, And then after the gun shop and those other people, you have to go back to your house and talk to your parents. And your your dad is like this burly drunk guy. And he looks Mm. way too old. I think this kid's an oops baby. I'm not sure. Um, (laughs) You got uh, a 90-year-old dad. Right. So you go back and you get happy a few times because I don't know what you're saying. You get happy a few times and you're throwing up a peace symbol when you're talking to your drunk, chunky father. And he will slap the shit out of you. And <laughs> like you'll go rolling into the corner. And he does this two times. Each time you're like really happy, you're throwing a peace sign. And he just whacks you. <laughs> and uh, eventually he'll kick your ass so hard you go tumbling out the door. And then your mom she'll run out of the house i thought he was going to slap her around too and she'll say something to you which i'm only assuming hey just tell people you fell down the steps instead of being an abused child you know um did i know english patch for this i guess actually i found out that there is but i played this all in japanese and i can't tell you the last time i played an a Japanese role-playing game played through so far Mm. i guess it was arc the lad for the playstation one which is 20 years old and came out before this game did so see what i mean you're you're, you're already into the playstation arc the lad can i ask you a question right, yeah there, uh, frank you can't read japanese right no Mm-mm. so what do you like beat a jrpg that's in japanese and get to the end of it and go i guess that was the point <laughs> <laughs> no you know all these stories are the same Talk to some people, go find something, buy some shit. Yeah, but how are you supposed to know to go into the mountain unless you know the character from mountains? Well, that's the problem. And and people like myself who played Ark the Lad one or two years before it came to America, you would spend time walking around aimlessly. And I got to tell you, it's not too different than when I play. <laughs> I'm I was still just going to say the, that. I'm still not through the Zelda for the GameCube. I, yeah. I'm still stuck in that tower or whatever. Yeah, what does it say about JRPGs when you're just walking around regardless of language and you talk to everything and everyone and you check every wall and every bookcase to make something happening you know it's it's funny because it is something that uh transcends language the gameplay you don't even need to know what people are saying you're just walking around hitting the a button i mean there's some japanese games like the like the date simulators and stuff things where people ask you questions to make choices that are you you know you're gonna you're gonna be in trouble if you play this but arc the lad was just such a beautiful game and these were back when i was getting the chong specials you know what i mean i was paying five dollars a game charging twenty dollars to other people so uh i got to get a lot of games and Ark the Lad, Were I really you one care. of those uh, gold disc thieves. I was. Oh. It's called the Chong Special because Chong was our guy. He later got arrested for credit card fraud. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. And then everything dried up after that. That was sad. But then that's when a Dreamcast came out. You could just download things, you know. It took you two days to download it, but who cares? You had all the shit games, all the good games. And then yeah, uh, Dreamcast, you could copy with a piece of construction paper and some markers. <laughs> RG disk will never be able to break the encryption unless you, you want to just put a disk in your system and you don't even need a mod chip or anything. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, that was so sad. And we bankrupt that company. We bankrupt one of the best game consoles created before it even got to show its full potential. Oh, we're jerks. Mm. Well, gotta play your games. Child. Yeah. I didn't know you could burn fucking like supermarket owned brand CDRs and put games on. <laughs> and then all the emulators that came out for it, you know, insane. I just like to think that whenever I turn my Dreamcast back on, I, I wish that one day I'd put the date in. You know I mean? It always goes back to 1998 or whatever. It does. It goes back, like, back to 1957 or something. Yeah, I'd love it if the Dreamcast went, whoa, man, you're still playing with me? You know? <laughs> Well, they said it was thinking in the advertisements, so... That's right. Perhaps. That's right. You you can replace the battery in there. It lasts about as long as the batteries in the, the VMUs. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. And that's so sad because I'd build up my wrestlers and the little game I would carry around with me and Godzilla. I was doing Gamera before the Godzilla came, game came out, so I'd be more powerful and all this other stuff. And then, you know, a battery die in those damn things. Hatching my bloopies from Sega or whatever they were called. Those little moopy doopies. The chow or whatever? Yeah, yeah, chichi yeah. chow chows or whatever. Th stuff like that there, then there. Oh, and the other neat thing was that was like one of the first consoles where if you played Knights, what was his name? Knights? Flying yeah. Knights, Rainbow Knights, what was his name? Oh, just no, Knights. Just, just, just Knights. Knights yeah. Yeah, if you played Knights on Christmas, it would be Christmas themed. Mm -hmm. Well, that was Saturn. Oh, oh, you're right. They did that with... Shenmue. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Shenmue would happen um, uh, in, in the Dreamcast, and then Saturn was, was your nights. And then they even released Christmas nights, which was weird because you could get Christmas on Christmas. So not only was this in Japanese, as um, William Bentley III pointed out that I'm a fool for playing a full Japanese role-playing game, not knowing what they're saying, but you could not skip their dialogue, and their dialogue was Metroid long. <laughs> I mean, it was long. Every now and then you get the prompt to go to the next screen, but that was it. Like, you could only go to the next screen of text. You mm. had to wait for them to talk at their own pace. It was very difficult to even start going into this game, but I was persistent and I wanted to review this game because I thought it was worth reviewing because it's not half bad. So the late release date of this game, plus the child abuse, probably led to Gunner's Proof not being <laughs> released in the West here. So you find a tiny UFO, two little creatures come flying out of it. They're floating in the air and they talk to you and you have to wait for them to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of them floats in your head. So I'm assuming now you have this symbiotic relationship with this, uh, I don't know if it was green or red. And then you can also go back to that ship and talk to uh, the, the character that's still left in that ship. And there's where you have a choice of two different things. I really wasn't sure of what he was asking you, but I don't think it mattered to the game. The control scheme is a little hard to get used to because the buttons are set up as such. It goes punch crawl and then shoot across the bottom buttons so the crawl is hilarious number one i never saw a uh, action rpg where you have to crawl around and he crawls like I, I don't know something crazy funny but i found myself ducking instead of being able to punch no matter how far i got into the game it was hard to switch between punching and shooting because of that duck button being in the middle 
With a normal gun, you can actually charge for a super shot, so that's kind of weird. Uh, although not, not really. I guess when Zelda charges up his sword, he can cut down grass. So there's high grass in here that slows you down, but you can't do anything about it except get slow. Your punch actually sends out a blast of Aquaman-type projectile from your fist. So there's this little air that comes out. And eventually you can power that up enough to smash blocking boulders. I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> um, you also notice straight off, and I mentioned you could strafe. You can strafe no. with your gun. Yeah, you can strafe with your gun as well. So that's that's uh, nice. And all these enemies you're fighting, like I said, a cactus and a speedo, different types of aliens. You're fighting these uh, giant slugs in this one part that have boobies. I don't I, don't know, it's re- I mean, it's kind of weird. <laughs> They're mm. naked slugs with boobies in their stock eyes. You also notice uh, straight off that you walk through some parts of a river or the ocean. So that was kind of weird. I was like, what can, what happens if I go in this water? Am I going to like die? No, you can walk into it to a certain point and then you'll start gasping for air and it'll take off one, one ball of your energy. You have these energy balls that you can, of course, get more health balls and you can fill them up and then you can, you know, deplete them. One of the interesting things about this is you only have a certain number of lives. So it's sort of set up like a like a scoring game because after you beat each boss, you get your score of how well you did, what you, you know, if you got a D, an A, a B, you have mm. that type of thing going on because of how fast you got through, how much life you have left, etc. And you actually have lives. You start with three lives. If all your blood balls go down to nothing, you'll get resurrected. But once you deplete all your lives, it's game over. So make sure you go back to your house and take a nap so that you could have a continue. There's three save blocks, so you could save it at different points in the game. And you'll earn extra lives by, well, I'll just say somebody's treasure chest will have an extra life in them. I won't uh, ruin fun of that in case you find one of these chests. And um, also when you complete a dungeon, you can get extra lives. That's a pretty unique uh, play mechanic for an RPG to just be dead. And we've seen this in in newer things. Another neat thing is you can jump off of hills in here. So if you go up a hill, you can pretty much jump off and you won't get hurt. We see that in some parts of Link to the Past or whatever. Link's time travel. What's it called? Link to the Past. Link to the Past. Okay, good. I got that right. Uh, Somebody yelled at me at the uh, GameCon CornCon about not knowing. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the callback. Throwing magic cards at you. (laughs) No Yu-Gi-Oh cards of all things. All right. Table tappers. What's worse than playing Yu-Gi-Oh? Being the referee of a Yu-Gi-Oh <laughs> card game. One doofus had like the toy arm thing. You remember that? No. That holds the cards? No. It was for like oh my God. four-year-olds. Yeah. And he was like in his 20s and he had a Mattel toy strapped to his arm. I cannot believe anyone would do that. Angry Hey, if you're listening, thanks for your support. (laughs) Angry Bird towel, Batman towel for a three-year-old. I can't believe anything. (laughs) Anybody would wear that shit. And five different types of Spider-Man web shooters with glove and glowing eyeball mask. I'm not saying I have those. Yeah. You're inside one of these caves and, you know, there's water flowing through some of these caves. And then these these desperados jump out. Not only are they like wearing luchador masks, but they have scuba tanks on their back. So they were scuba diving in there. And then later on in the game, you'll actually get a snorkel to get you to different parts of this island, this rootin' tootin' Old West island that you're on. So you'll be able to swim through the ocean, swim over things. And then even later on, you'll have a very interesting way that you can get up the waterfalls. So I don't want to ruin that part either because that's really a funny thing stole from another game. 
<laughs> Early on, you also get a carrot that you can, of course, call a horse. Where did you ever hear of that? Getting a carrot to call a horse to take you around. It's like a horse cow, and you go really fast, and he's only there for a limited amount of time, and you could roll over, you could run over and destroy your enemies while you're on the cow, and it makes it very good to get around those outside worlds because, you know, that's always tedious. Now, inside the dungeons, thankfully, once you defeat the boss, you're now on the outside of the dungeon, but then you still have to walk back to your house. When I was playing this game, I was thinking to myself, there's probably a hacked ROM out there with a you know a fan based English translation, and that's not only true, but that's the wonderful thing about emulations is that you can download patches that these freaks make to put English into the games, like uh, you know hacked ROMs for the Super Nintendo Genesis. Somebody spent the better part of their year. Oh my gosh, <laughs> translating this game, and you just you're you're fucking losers. <laughs> nah, I got it. Those people deserve, like, prizes. You ain't kidding. You ain't like kidding. It, the guys who uh, translate Game Center CX into English. <laughs> oh, the second one? The, the TV show. Oh, the show. Oh, the show. Yeah. That's one of the best video game shows ever made. And, um, you know, the fact that there's people just in their houses, like, putting professional quality subtitles and translations into it is just wonderful. I agree. But you have to be... <laughs> of a certain mind makeup to oh, yeah. to like, do this, you know. That's like altruism <laughs> on a level I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Or, you know, and even the hot coffee, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Get a little hot coffee going on. I hope they're getting hot coffee for the work they do. <laughs> they are not. I wouldn't mind. You right, cannot you translate were... a game and still be having a girlfriend and sex, okay? No, you don't roll up into one of those anime conventions and be like, hey, I'm the guy who uh, <laughs> translated. Yeah, yeah. and Are someone, you gives, an someone, <laughs> gi someone gives you a free picture of a girl on the pillowcase. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> With a jizz pocket in it. <laughs> oh, Anything man. else on those translations? I just nah, we're all good here. with jizz here. Okay. We hit our quota. Now, for those fortunate enough like myself, I can put that ROM onto a floppy and play it on my actual Super Nintendo using the Double Pro Fighter. I have the 64M version, which can play your 24M, your 32M, and your 64M Genesis or Super Nintendo games, depending on which system that you hook this gizmo into. And I can rip my own cartridges onto floppy. And the fuck's a floppy? A floppy disk. What? It's not really floppy. It's rigid. It's a, That's it's a, one of those records I hear double, about, right? Yeah, it's a double two. It's a two times data one. Um, yeah, kids, ask your grandpa what <laughs> <laughs> floppy disks were. Some games will span the diskettes. Now I can't do because it's only limited to the sixty-four. It's hard to really know how big these things are. You know, a sixty-four might be six meg. So the, it can't do like the special effects chips. It can't do things like this, but it, it definitely can do these games. And, you know, that's neat if you want to play it on the actual system. The game is plotting. As I mentioned, it is a bit unpolished, but at the same time, it's deeper than I expected it to be. If you finish playing your Earthbound, if you finish playing your Zelda and your Final Fantasy on the Super Nintendo, and you really want another uh, interesting, chibi, Japanese type of role-playing game especially an action role-playing game you can't go wrong with this get the translated rom or you'll really need patience to play the japanese version and because it does have those elements of scoring points i think this is sit down sunday 
and get through the entire game type of game. I didn't beat it. But I think I probably got. But you suppose close. it could happen. I, I well, th- how would you know if you beat it? <laughs> you know what the end means or looks like in Japanese? I do. Okay, you got to be up in a tower somewhere. That's Ooh. how I know I'm at the end. That's okay. what I'm going to think. You made your own problem with John. I'm not getting involved with this. Well, I only played it for three hours. So, oh, <laughs> you dick. So that's uh, sir, I, I didn't hear that over my free healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and on and with that, and now TT Schmookins will set the premise of next month's We Talk Games Video Power Magazine Pick a Debuck program using her Pennsylvanian electronic numerical integrator computerized risk IEEE recognized octo-based 48 gigaflops blast processor emulator random adjective subject service generator also known as the rosenstein's information technology and enriched elbow macaroni we talk games committee for podcast conformity and listener integration peeny acker i rob 48 blapper ass g 2000 Hello, my name is Titish Kmukins, setting the premise of next month's We Talk Games Video Power Magazine Pick a Debug program using my Pennsylvanian Electronic Numerical Integrator Computerized Risk IEEE 48 Gigaflops Blast Processor Emulator and the Adjective Subject Service Generator, also known as the Rosenstein's Information Technology and Enriched Elbow Macaroni, We Talk Games. Committee for Podcast Conformity and Listener Integration, P. Me, Akari, Rob, 48, Blapparas, G2000. Next month's premise will be. Robot Punch. Jesus Christ, the introduction and reintroduction of those bleep bloops are taking up half the show. <laughs> I think I could do the same thing on two spinning cardboard wheels with an adjective and a subject. <laughs> anyway, so uh, next you month. Is... Time it take you to set them up, though, I can just ruin your week. That's right. It made me shit my meal. <laughs> My next month topic is going to be Robot Punch. Uh, so think about your game for that. And maybe you'll hear from the current crew. Maybe you won't. Who knows? But we'll be doing Robot Punch premise. All right. All right. Talk to you then. Maybe. Don't forget to. Oh, we forgot to pick it a buck. Who's going to win here? Everyone's written there. Frank Hamblin, William Bentley III, and Horace Mangrove have written there names on a $5 bill. Let me just shuffle this sugar-free Luden's Wild Cherry Throat Soothers and pick the dollar out, pick the five out, and uh, Wiggly! Wiggly wins! What a jerk. 
At least he doesn't think he's a jerk. <laughs> no, he is quite confident in himself if you listen to the last episode of Ask the Video Game Millionaires, which I hope people will still ask questions. So for Horace Mangrove, that's me. William Bentley III, that's him. Sir. I'm Frank Hemblin. I'm me. I'm Frank Hemblin. Till next time, don't forget. <laughs>